I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD I mean, seriously. Like, what's there to say? You know, you've got Julius Randle comes here in the summer <clears throat> about two uh, two years ago, almost. High expectations. His first season does not go as planned. Puts up some numbers, but, you know, as they say, numbers aren't everything. And they didn't translate to winning, right? Brought in a players-friendly coach, David Fisdale, to recruit. Basically, the only reason he was hired to recruit KD, Kyrie, that didn't work. And Julius was the backup plan. Fizz gets canned. Julius has the rough season. The Knicks miss out on Zion. And it was very grim for a while. 20-win season. Considered a, an upgrade from where they were in fucking 20, uh, 2019. But here we are. We had 21 wins last season. Here we are at the All-Star break. And the New York Knicks are two games below that mark right now. Julius Randle, who went from a losing player who just put up empty statistics and, you know, didn't really give you meaningful production because he mitigated it with a defensive lapse or just some inefficiencies on the offensive end, has become a winning player, an all-star, somebody who's in the MVP conversation. And if you want to take a step further, we're talking about throwing this guy the fucking max. You know, that's, that's been buzzing around the fan base now. I mean, uh, Randall's an all-star. Frank Nilakina's out here getting fucking buckets. <laughs> RJ sniping from three-point distance. What the hell is going on? Tom Thibodeau succeeding in 2021. Defying odds against everybody who said he was a, a guy who would not succeed in today's era. I, fucking... It's been unbelievable, man. I am so proud of where this New York Knicks team is right now. And and granted, again, it's only it's only what 36, 37 games wherever we are. Nineteen plus eighteen. Do your quick math. Thirty-seven games. I get it. Okay, nineteen and eighteen. But Jesus, I mean, it's all about expectation, right? And I say this all the time as a Yankees fan because there are always people getting mad at Yankees fans for being upset over not winning a World Series. I my 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 counter to that is always, it's it's all about the world you're in, right? The Yankees have expectations. It's the same thing for the Knicks. The same exact thing. The Knicks are in a different world. They have the expectations of wanting to be decent again, right? So, being decent, nineteen and eighteen, and we can call that decent, right? Being decent. Is, is the world to Knicks fans. This is a team who, this is a fan base who has been starving for decency 
for fucking decades. The last time we were decent was in 2013, the 2012-13 season. Right? That was a team full of vets. We knew they weren't going to win at all, but it was a fun ride. And that was just one year. We haven't really been relevant outside of that. I mean, we haven't been relevant for so long. So we're finally getting a team here that not only looks relevant, but they look like they can be relevant for years to come. And I don't know how anybody, anybody in this world could sit here with a straight face and tell you that you should not thank Tom Thibodeau first and foremost. And I'm the one who's given him some shit this year, okay? I, I've criticized him, but to say that he's not been fantastic for this Knicks team, out of your fucking mind. He has been... I mean, just, just he's got this Knicks team playing so beautifully. There's a camaraderie here. The guys love each other. They play with each other because they're a family. They play so well together because they like each other. There's a thing in this locker room. You could tell the guys like each other. They're having fun. So this culture, this winning culture that we're trying to build, you have to thank you know Leon Rose, obviously, for bringing in Tom Thibodeau, for bringing in... You know, these, these assistant coaches, you know, we've got Mike Woodson coming back. We've had uh, Kenny Payne has been a big influence. And then obviously all these executives, right? World Wide West. You've got Steve Stout. You've got Zanin. You've got Brock Aller. Alan Houston. You brought in Darren Ehrman. You have Johnny Bryant on the coaching staff. You've got just all these guys, Walt Parent, you've got all these guys, these executives, these coaches, these scouts. You have to credit, you know, whoever, anybody you want missing, I'm sorry, because there has been so many, just, just so many people to thank in this organization. Hell, Scott Perry, I'll give him some credit. You know, just, it, it's, it's, but yeah, it, it starts with Tom Thibodeau. He has got this Knicks team playing their asses off for 48 minutes a night. 48 minutes a night. They don't take a fucking minute off. Sure, you know, the game in San Antonio, which we'll get to in a second, they were a bit gassed. But you're never going to see these guys not play well because they just don't feel like playing. If anything, it's going to be because their legs aren't fresh, you know, because Tom Thibodeau is going to play you and he's going to play you hard. But the, the the guys were fourth, uh, no, we're a half a game out of fourth place in the East with a, a record one game above 500, two away from our win total from last year. That is fucking absolutely incredible. They are tough mentally. So I, you know, it, it's the Tom Thibodeau effect. And one quote that stands out for me, you know, really stands out for me. He said it a couple of days ago. Um, maybe about a week or a week and a half or so. They asked him, you know, I don't know who it was, but somebody asked him if he was happy or you know, satisfied at where they are. He goes, I'm not happy unless I'm miserable. <laughs> I love that. I They, they have a shirt. Apparently, uh, the Knicks, uh, I think Emmanuel Quickly was wearing the shirt oh, on his way to the arena the other day. <laughs> I'm not happy unless I'm miserable. You know, that boomer mentality, that hard-ass mentality that you want from a head coach. Tom Thibodeau. He's got to push you. He's got to push you and he's going to make sure it pays off. And it is paying off for the Knicks tremendously. 
you know, Julius Randle, obviously, he's been the biggest player on this team this year. The turnaround for him, again, just fantastic. And he wrote something, he wrote a piece um, on the Players' Tribune saying, you know, pretty much, it was really cool, it was emotional. Saying how he put, you know, he put all of last year on him. And he realized his his wrongdoings as, as a player and he felt the need to, to change himself and, you know, I guess evolution, revolutionize his game and take himself, take him, take himself to the next level in order to be, to make this change and be the face of the New York Knicks. And he has done that beyond belief, man. I mean, I, I, you know, some people would have expected Randall to have an improved 2021. You could have made that argument, but I don't think anybody would have expected this guy again to not only be an all-star, but be in the top 10, top 15 MVP conversation and just have the fucking year he's having, being a leader on both ends. You know, because it's not just about the 27, 13, 6, whatever the hell it is. It's about the winning plays he's making, both offensively and defensively, the quick decisions he has. You know, he's, he's making these quick decisions with the ball in his hand. He's fucking playing defense. He's doing it all for the Knicks, and he's just... And we're, we're going to get to him. We're going to get to him. We have this, uh, we have the, the uh, first half report card. So we're going to get to that at the end of the show. But right now at the top of the show, like usual, we are going to recap the last couple of games, break some things down, and then we'll get into the thick of things. But yeah, this, this has been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable ride so far. I'm so happy that we are in this position to where we can even mention the P word, right? In recent years, if we even mentioned the playoffs, you would be laughed at. That the LOL Knicks narrative. Now we can at least have a conversation about it. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. You know, this second half schedule for the Knicks is going to be rough. It's brutal looking. Um, but at least we can have the conversation of making the playoffs. We could talk about it. We can discuss it. So we're going to head to our first break. Um, but yes, thank you for stopping by. If you are new to the show... My name is RJ Carbone. I am the host of this podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Thank you for stopping by. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to do that. You can find us on all your platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, you know, all those feeds, Apple Podcasts, listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google you can watch us on YouTube if you're not doing that right now. There's a video feed of the podcast, but you can listen to it on many platforms as well. If you want to follow me on social media or even subscribe to the blog that I write about the Yankees and Knicks, you can do that too. All that information is on my website, or you can just go to my link tree to find all that information. Um, if you want to go there, go to link tr.ee slash rjcarbone that will take you to my link tree where it's just a page that has all the links to every platform I'm on where you need to reach me at so go there go to my link tree link tr.ee forward slash rjcarbone so let's get to our first break and um, when we get back we'll dive into some things all right
So, you know, I'm going to try to make this as brief as I can because nobody really wants to talk about the Spurs game at the moment with how high we are on the Knicks right now. But, you know, a couple nights ago, game 36 of the year, uh, Knicks dropped 93 to 119 against San Antonio in Texas. Uh, by the way, thank you, Texas, Texas, for finally bringing back some sanity and allowing people the option whether or not they want to wear their muzzles. Um, so uh, the Knicks, the Knicks, unfortunately, dropped this one to the Spurs. It was a rough game all around, you know, without Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, Mitchell Robinson, and uh, you know Alfred Payton. Uh, the Spurs without Aldridge and Rudy Gay. You know, the Knicks shoot 41-42-80 across the line. 18 assists versus 16 turnovers, so pretty rough with the ball in their hands. Two steals versus 12 steals. Um, pretty rough effort there. You know, Randall, 14-11-5. Pretty poor game from him. You know, a lot of hero ball. Some of the old Randall um, didn't have much. RJ has 15-5-9 shooting, just two rebounds in 28 minutes, and didn't really play great defense late on some more closeouts. Um, Frank got the start over Rose. He had 13 points, hit all three triples, and he scored 11 points in the third, catching the shooting from the corner. A lot of them coming off of Randall's feeds. Um, IQ, 26 points, 6 of 13, three-point shooting. Most of that was in garbage time when it wasn't really effective towards the score. Um, first quarter, Knicks come out of the gate pretty slow. Lackluster, you know, didn't look good. They were just sluggish. Um, second unit came in, kind of did a bit better. Went on that 8 nothing run. Obi hits that triple at the end of the first to, you know, bring the Knicks back in at 25-23. Still down. Um, second quarter comes, you know, about midway through. The Knicks starters finally find some kind of rhythm. RJ, Reggie, get a few to go. IQ gets hot. The three of them go on an 11-2 run to bring the Knicks up. Uh, but then the Spurs kind of regain that leader, uh, that lead later. You know, there's that big play with Patty Mills at the end of the half uh, on the inbound. The Knicks are five on four defensively, and they still uh, give up a wide open three point attempt to Mills. Mills drills it. That kind of takes the air out of the Knicks and really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, just the epitome of their repulsive performance there. You know, Spurs going to the half up 51 47. Third quarter. Probably the worst quarter of the game. The Knicks vomit up 21 points. Uh, they allow 36 on the Spurs end. Just eating the Knicks defense alive. Knicks, again, lazy. Spurs getting some outside shooting, some ball movement, and they found their bigs in the paint whenever the Knicks decided to help on the drive. You know, it was a very Spurs-like, high IQ, fundamentally sound quarter for them, right? Typical classic Spurs there. Um, and a lot of their, you know, there was no big player of the night for the Spurs, you know. Trey Lyles and a bunch of their backups and, and, and some of their starters all chipped in and really did a nice job distributing the ball equally and scoring it equally. And the Knicks couldn't stop that. You know, it was just the only bright spot in that third was, again, Frank going off, you know, from Randall's kickouts and hitting them, hitting them in the corners. And, you know, the Knicks just didn't have it. They were down 19 after three quarters. Fourth quarter comes. It was just garbage time. You had IQ shooting up bunch of jumpers and you know i like the confidence from him though that was cool so bad game you know just just i don't want to go over too much just an overall poor effort um we didn't play hard nor smart looked tired out there very fatigued um defense was shit there was no energy just again lazy couldn't stop the dribble penetration wide open three-point makes for san antonio late on our closeouts had some miscommunication on rotations um you know bad game uh, offensively, same same thing. Pretty stagnant, slow. No off-the-ball movement. The pace was slower, obviously, without Rose. Uh, Frank was good, but, you know, he was thriving off the ball, and that's probably the role he should keep playing in. 
Um, you know, we, we missed Rose's mid-range shooting. I don't think his, you know, and his kickouts. I don't think his, like, finishing game would have made much of a difference because the Spurs were just packing the paint all night on us. And, you know, so he probably wouldn't have had a great time slashing. He probably still would have had a difficult time like most Knicks did. You know, the Spurs were just collapsing um, in the restricted area and in the paint. And the drive wasn't there for the Knicks. You know, they were just 40% on their twos, had just 32 points in the paint and only 15 free throw attempts. There was just no interior presence offensively. Uh, Reggie and Burks, I have down here that they sucked again. They were terrible. Uh, Noel, great defensively, didn't give you much offensively, dropping a bunch of shit once again. Um, Randall, again, rough performance, just fatigued. Hero ball, some of those spin moves we saw from last year. Um, rough game for him. Obi looked absolutely lost. Give the Knicks zero, and Knox, he got some minutes and I don't think he got much though uh, but it was a bad game okay who cares I want to move on to tonight because the, it was the 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 way you want to enter the second half was the way the Knicks played tonight right they just played really good basketball and um oh, man I need a haircut and it, it was it was it was what you wanted to see you know it was really what you wanted to see so we'll get to the Knicks Pistons game uh right now all right, so um, taking on Detroit. You know, we played them a few nights ago. We blew the brakes off of them. You know, and tonight we the final score, 114-104, didn't really tell the whole story because the Knicks controlled this one the entire the entire night. They really had this one the entire night. It didn't really feel like it was a close game, um, at least in the second half. Uh, the Knicks shoot 54% from the floor. They go 33% on from long range, and they're 79% on the stripe. Uh, dominated the glass 47 to 29, 66 to 38 inside the paint. So again, playing their style of game, and a lot of that had to do with Alfred Payton coming back. Right? They had three straight uh, three straight 50 per, uh, 50% outings from from the arc without Payton's presence. He comes back, you know, they don't really do much from the arc, but they, you know, he had a good night tonight. He had 20 points on 7 of 14, and he was getting into the paint. <laughs> he, he actually advanced the ball uh, a few times on the break, a few times to RJ, and he hasn't, he's been doing that lately. He hasn't done that a lot this year, but lately he's actually pushing the pace a bit on the break and moving the ball around. So you're hoping that sticks, but who the fuck knows? Um, Randall, 27 points, 16 boards, 7 assists. Leading all three categories there, and just considered a quiet night. We don't even look twice at that, and that to me is incredible. You know, last year if he had 27, 16, and seven, that's easily his best game of the season by far. This year, 27, 16, seven, it's another night. It's just another night for Julius. A couple points more than his norm, maybe one or two rebounds more than his norm. It's fucking, it's crazy. Just another night. R.J. Barrett, 21 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 for 13 from the floor, 8 for 11 from 2-point distance. He was fantastic. Reggie Bullock, 12 points. Um, his defense, you know, he was glued to Wayne Ellington tonight. He was fantastic. I thought he was, I gotta give him credit, he was really good, 3 and D for a bit. You know, he, he hit his first, you know, he does his usual, he, he starts... He scores the ball in like the first quarter or two, and then he doesn't do much offensively, but he did play good defense. 
Lee Allen Kim was like one for six in the first half. Um, Frank, nine points, uh, three for three again from deep. So he's six for his last six from there. Uh, made a couple off the bounce. He was actually creating for himself tonight. You know, that was nice. Um, the Pistons just don't play a lick of D. They are really bad. You know, I guess it makes sense. They've got DSJ leading the uh, point guard for them, but oof. Just, just a fantastic all-around victory for the Knicks tonight. You know, I don't want to get too into this because I want to talk just about the state of the team and how great we are to be where we are. Um, but a good all-around victory. You know, the only issue I had tonight was maybe Reggie Bullock playing the entire third and, and Frank not really getting featured as much as, as, you know, for somebody who was hot in that first half. Frank didn't really get run in that third and he wasn't really the same after that. Um, but... You know, overall, it was a good game. It was a really good game. Um, the bigs played well again. You know, Noel filling in for Mitch and Taj. 42 more minutes, and he was great. Four steals, two blocks, 11 boards, and he also chipped in with 12 points. Um, so, <laughs> it was really good. The Knicks just, just again, they had control the entire night. And um, I know the Pistons were missing some key pieces, too. You know, Grant was not available, but... It was, a, it was a good win, regardless. The Knicks took care of business, and that's all you can ask right now. All right, so let's head to a break um, once more. And when we get back, I want to talk about some things, and um, we'll keep it going. You are listening to BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbo. Guys, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, be sure to do that right now. You can go to my website um, and, you know, my Instagram, my Facebook, Twitter, my blog, my podcast, all those feeds and stuff. Just go to my link tree for that. Uh, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to get all that information. Once again, that is linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. So there's a lot of uh, talk right now about, you know, Julius Randle having a fantastic season. And, um, you know, Clyde Frazier brought it up, I think, on the telecast two nights ago uh, when the Knicks were playing the Spurs. It might have been, been the Pacers game. I don't know. But he said, you know, he was mentioning the, the captain thing, how, you know, his teams used to have a, a public captain, right? Everybody knew who the guy was, and they, he had that label officially. You know, should the Knicks do this with Julius? Should they have one, or should it just be more of a natural thing? I was thinking about it. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody like Randall would kind of let it get to him and try to do too much. That's not why I, I, I don't really want the label. In my opinion, I just don't think you need it. I just, you know, I just think like anybody who's played a sport doesn't exactly have to be basketball, but anybody who's played a sport on any level, you know how it works, right? 
like the leader of the locker room, it doesn't it doesn't ever have to be said publicly or out loud. People know, like players know who the leader is. Guys know who the guy is in that locker room that's going to lead you. It doesn't always have to be said. And I think what the Knicks are doing right now, I think it's just perfect. You know, they they all know Randall's the guy. The guy's getting fucking MVP chance for, you know, every every night since the Garden has been um, able to have fans. People know. I, I, I think at this point, if you just do it, if you just announce it, it just doesn't make sense. I think you should just keep it how it is. Don't really label him as anything. Um, and again, it's not really that I just, it's not that I think he'll let it get to his head. I just think there's really no rhyme or reason. I just think we just let, just keep doing what we're doing. Why do we have to, you know, I don't think we should have to put a label to everything. I think right now we're doing what what's perfectly fine. You know, just, just let him go out there and ball and he'll be the unofficial captain. Kind of like the Yankees right now, right? They've got the unofficial captain <laughs> on the team. You know, everybody wants to talk about Aaron Judge. Huh? So, you know, just don't let it, you know, I don't know. I, I just, just let it be. Um, But, no, it, it's been such a fantastic first half, man. You know, the, the, the fucking, we've got guys going into the All-Star break, too. You know, we've got Randall, obviously, in the All-Star game. Uh, he's in the Skills Challenge, you know. Um, Obi Toppin, he's in the Tongue Contest. You know, you have Emmanuel Quickly, who was snubbed from that Rising Stars. A lot of Knicks fans are upset. Um, to be honest, though, all of this, I, I don't really give a shit. I'm not big on, you know, All-Star festivities. I watch them. You know, I get into them, but I'm not big on, like, damn, he got snubbed. Damn, he didn't make it. Damn, he made it over him. I just... I, I'm more just, just down to business. Just fucking do your thing. You know, individual shit doesn't excite me. Completely meaningless. <laughs> but I'll watch it. You know, I'll watch it. It's 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 fun to watch. But, you know, I'm not getting upset over somebody not making it. So, let quickly keep balling for the Knicks. And, you know, that'll be that. Um... Yeah, man. Oh, I got it like a, like, there's a, I don't know whoever uses Facebook anymore, but if you do, you know, they've got those memories things that come up on your feed once in a while, where they'll show you, you know, what you've posted in the past a year ago. And one of the things I got today, um, and by today, I mean Friday, March, what? I don't know. What are we? March 4th? Let's check. How do we not know this? Yeah, Friday, March 4th. I'm sorry, Friday. Fucking, uh... Jeez, Rob. Um, what's today? Thursday. Thursday, March 4th. Okay, so... Thursday, March 4th, today, I got a notification. You know, my Facebook memories. Um, I guess something I posted last year at this time was, like... An old Knicks lineup. Not even that old. It was like from 2015 or something. And it was like, if anybody ever tests your loyalty, show them this lineup. <laughs> and it was like the all-white guy lineup. It was Lou Amundsen. It was fucking um, Alexi Shved. It was Andrea Bargnani. Lance Thomas and like somebody else rounded it off. <laughs> it, was like, it was like three white dudes and then two like washed up journeymen. 
And I thought that was hilarious just because we've come so fucking far. At least now we have a young core to follow. We didn't even have a young core. We just watched a bunch of mediocre fucking scrubs who that whole roster back from that 2015-16 squad probably isn't even in the league anymore outside of Mello. It's just funny. You know, the Lance Thomas days, the Ron Baker days, Lou Amundsen, the fucking, um, who is that guy's name? Samuel Dallenbear. Oh my gosh. Those were brutal teams. Really brutal. Back in the day, that was back when I thought like Willie Hernan Gomez or Billy was going to be something fucking special. Now he's not even, I don't even know where he is. Denver? That might be his brother. It's, it was bad. It was really scary. It was really fucking ugly. Oh my god, you know. It was it was it was oof. But here we are. We've got a young core. You know, good farm here. Speaking of farm, Miles Powell, a couple of days ago was um, I think it was last night or yesterday, picked up by the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's unfortunate to see him go. He was a draft pick for the Knicks, or no, an, an, uh, an undrafted signing. For the Knicks, you know, I was hoping he would have been this year's version of Alonzo Trier, just that microwave bucket getter. But we've got one in quickly, and uh, so there's no, there was really no spot for him on this unit. So made sense. Um, best of him. Best of luck to him. Um, yeah, man, I think that's that's you know all the bullshit. Um, I want to get to the to the the important part. Uh, I want to I want to go over this team, top to bottom, do an in depth, you know breakdown of things and give out the uh, first half progress report on the Knicks and you know we'll go from the A plus tier all the way down to the bottom tier which I don't have any F's alright but I do have a somebody in the D range I think you all know who that is so we'll start um, I don't know you want to start bottom to top is that how it goes we'll start from the D and we'll work our way up to the A's <laughs> alright we'll do that so let's have to break uh, one last time, and when we get back, we'll begin this report card. All right. Hey, fellas. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog, or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Alright, so the first guy I have here, I have nobody is an F, so give me credit there. <laughs> um, I've got a D plus. Maybe it's too harsh? I don't think so. I really don't think this guy's good at all. Uh, I think he's pretty useless most of the time offensively. I think defensively he's very overrated. Uh, at least by MSG Network. Alfred Payton. Maybe I should have went C minus. I don't. I just don't. You know, even on his best nights, I feel like he doesn't do much. I feel like he's just a vibe killer. I feel like he's just some 
guy who mitigates whatever positive production he brings at times is mitigated by something stupid or some ridiculous mistake he makes or just being poor on the other end when he's doing good on one end. I, I just don't feel like Peyton's been good for the Knicks. I feel like he's been really bad for the Knicks. Um, outside of three feet, he is not a threat. He's not a threat at all. You know, he's not even finishing at the rim on a high clip. I'm pretty sure he's below 50%. Um, and 50% isn't even good. He's obviously doesn't exist from the three-point line. He has no mid-range jumper. He's the opposite of a three-level scorer, whatever that is. Occasionally, like nights like tonight, he will find it and happen to hit a few shots. You know, RJ found him in the corner once. Um, you know, Alfred was seven for 14 overall on the night tonight. But most of the time, he's going to be a below-average starting point guard. Is there a place for him in this league? Sure, maybe as a backup. Somebody who doesn't get a lot of time, though. But I do not think for a guy who's getting 30 minutes a night to start every single night he's been healthy, I don't think his production's been anything more than a D-plus. I just think he's been very bad. He doesn't push the pace as often as he should. You know, he's the reason the Knicks are in the bottom tier in terms of pace. They might be last... Um, he can't shoot, right? He plays very slow. He's a half-court point guard with no three-point shot, with no jump shot. He's not a great passer or playmaker. You know, he'll have some assist numbers, but he's only averaging, what, three and a half, four assists a night. Even that's nothing special. And he just doesn't really mesh with R.J. Barrett. You know, when R.J. Barrett is playing with Quickly or Derrick Rose, he gets a lot more touches, Right. When R.J. Barrett plays with Alfred Payton, he's got to do a lot more of the work. And he doesn't always get that ball time. So I think Alfred Payton, you know, with the, the non-productive offense and the defense, that is very overrated to me. I do not think he's a great defender. I think the strength is the only thing he has. But even that doesn't justify him starting for 30 minutes a night. Yeah, I go D plus, D plus, just because I think he's been pure dog shit most of the time. Um, will he have his nights? Yes, again, he will. But for the most part, I do not want to see this guy ever again play basketball for the Knicks beyond 2021. Um, let me go to C- range. Um, I've got one, two, two players. Two players get a C-. Uh, one being Austin Rivers. You know, he's probably going to end up being one of the very few guys the Knicks trade this season. Uh, he's got no spot in the rotation now that D-Rose is here. Now that Frank has seemed to work his way back into the rotation, um, and you know, Alfred is healthy, and you've still got quickly, doesn't really seem like Rivers is going to get any minutes. Um, so he's probably gone at some point between now and next month, or, or later this month. Um, so when he was playing, you know, he doesn't contribute much. He had those two really good games in Utah. He had a really good first half a few nights, uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> You know, he's just, he's just, the fact that we have to go all the way back to a few weeks ago just goes to show that he doesn't really produce. And when he does have his good games, it comes at the expense of the offense that the Knicks are trying to run, right? He he, he goes outside of the Knicks' offense just to do his own thing. He kind of reminds me of Alonzo Trier in that aspect where he creates his own buckets and just everybody else, you know, the, the four other Knicks will sit around while he goes ISO and is hit or miss. Uh, C minus for Austin Rivers. 
Uh, but I like the kid. You know, he, he's got the New York mentality. Unfortunately, it's just he doesn't have a spot in this rotation, and he hasn't really earned it. Um, Obi Toppin, I've got to see Minus. He's just not doing his thing. For a guy who was picked at number eight, a guy who was supposed to be the next best draft pick in years, and you know, we've got a long ways to go before we can really give him a true judgment on, on how he'll be as an NBA player. But right now, where we are right now, um, Thursday, March 4th, got that one right. Um, he's been C-minus caliber to me. You know, he's not being aggressive. He's not scoring much. He's not getting much minutes, right? I understand that. He's not getting a lot of time. It's hard for him to really thrive. You know, he's not getting many touches other than some occasional DHO opportunities. But for the most part, he when he gets the ball, he's not attacking. He's not aggressive enough. He's way too passive. He hands it off. He throws a dime across the court or... You know, doesn't have an offensive go-to move. There's no post game for him. He's not attacking the rim. There, he doesn't get to the line at, at all. Barely gets free throw attempts. Um, I never see him there. You know, he'll occasionally spot up for three, but we don't see him. Dunk. We don't even see this guy dunk like he did at Dayton. You know, is it was it the weak competition? I'm not willing to say that yet. Um, but so far, I'm not impressed with Obi Toppin. Um, not calling his, you know, the, the verdict isn't out yet on him. I'm not saying he's a bust. But, you know, when you think about long-term things, and if the Knicks are to lock up Julius down the line, there, there's got to be a trade on the table for, for Obi, and he's eventually going to be packaged. I don't see a long-term fit here for Obi, especially if the Knicks do decide to lock into Julius. But so far this season, talking strictly Obi's performance, yeah, I got to go see minus. And um, these grades are based off of, you know, expectation of that individual versus production. So just keep that in mind. Um, C. Um, flat C. Uh, I got Reggie Bullock for one of those guys. There's two players there. I've got Reggie Bullock for one. Yeah, he's been very up and down. That's the definition of a C player. Somebody who had, who's, who's had some ups and somebody who's had a lot of downs. And Reggie has not been consistent. Um, as a Nick, he's going to shoot the ball lights out one night or you know, lights out one half and disappear the other half. And then, you know, it, it's just very hot and cold. Um, he's good defensively, but most nights he's not really going to give you that consistent offensive production in order for you to justify him starting big minutes every night. I, I don't love Reggie Bullock on this team. I think he's been very, very, very underwhelming. Kevin Knox... It's unfortunate. Kevin Knox had a great start to the year, right? He was hitting, you know, corner Kevin, hitting the three balls like Steve Novak, catching and shooting as that spot-up wing. And then he just kind of fell out of the rotation as the season progressed. Lately, he's getting you know, a couple minutes tonight, but he's not really getting some shine. And it's unfortunate because I think there's a spot for him, again, with how inconsistent Reggie Bullock has been. Um, with how up and down Alec Burks has been, who I give a C plus, I think there is spots for, there are times that you should plug in Kevin Knox. You know, even with Obi not really playing well sometimes, Kevin Knox can play in that spot. He can play the three, he can play the four. I just think there should be more attempts for him, more touches, and, you know, that comes with giving the guy more burn. And he's not getting that at the moment. So he's kind of out of the rotation as well. Uh, but Alec Burks, yeah, I have him, one of the two players that I labeled as C-plus caliber. Uh, yeah, Burks has, you know, 
had his moments, stellar stretch. He's had some big fourth quarters. Uh, he's helped the Knicks get off to some good starts, but kind of like Bullock, um, you know, he's he's got more offense than Bullock, but less defense. I, and he's also been pretty erratic. So, yeah, a C plus, not great, um, but not the worst in the world. Uh, Taj Gibson is also who I have at C plus. You know, Taj has been okay. You know, an okay third string center. There's not really much to say. He doesn't give you much offensively other than an occasional 12-footer um, or a hook shot. And defensively, he's not much of a rim protector. Um, and he's old, so he has a difficult time moving around and staying healthy. Um, you know, he is who he is at this point in his career. Uh, then we go all the way to B. I gave Frank Delakina a B because he's actually been really good this year. You pick apart the numbers, you know, it's nothing special, but he is shooting career highs from the floor and from three-point distance. Uh, I think he's well over 55% um, on the year from three. So, you know, he knows his role. Frank is one of those guys who's not going to ever pan out to be that number eight lottery pick all-star caliber player, but I still think there's a spot for Frank Nilakina in the league. I still think if you utilize him properly, um, you can you can find a way to give him... Let's say, you know, 20 minutes a night, maybe a little less. You know, as as a 3 and D wing who plays off the ball, right? I don't think he's a point guard. He's not aggressive enough to play point guard. We saw him play some point guard. More more point guard under Mike Miller than with Coach Thibodeau. Um, you know, he had a lot, of, a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop opportunities under Mike Miller. But Tom Thibodeau is using him. He's using Frank the way I want to see. Frank be used, and that's off the ball, as somebody who's running to the floor, uh, running to the corners, and stretching the floor, in spot up scenarios. We saw that on Thursday, um, what was it? Tuesday night, in San Antonio, right? Julius hit him up for a few sidestep threes and some catch and shoot three pointers, and then we saw a little bit of both tonight, creating off the dribble. But again, most of his shots are going to come off the ball, and I think Frank is best. Playing that role, playing the the two guard, right? Playing the wing position and giving you defense and some three point shooting. And you know the shot hasn't always been consistent for Frank so far in his career, but this year it's a lot more consistent than it's been. So eventually, if he can sustain that, you know, if he can sustain this three and D type of play, well, you got yourself your three and D wing, and that's very valuable to NBA teams in today's game. So I like the way he's playing. I think so far he's been B caliber. Right, not the greatest in the world, but he's been solid. That defense alone is tremendous. Um, go to B plus. I've got one guy there too. Uh, Nerlens Noel, really, really, really holding it down um, since fucking what's his name? Uh, Mitch went down. Ever since Mitchell Robinson had the injury, Nerlens has been tremendous for the Knicks. He's only averaging five points, but. He's giving you six rebounds tonight, and he's one of the league leaders in blocks. Uh, I think right now he has two per game. You know, for a guy who doesn't, you know, jump out at you with the numbers, he's very good on the defensive end of the game, of the of the floor. Um, I, I just I, I really appreciate the job Noel has done. I know it was a really rough start for him. He did not fucking look good at the start of the season. But and still, he has issues catching the ball. He would never make a wide receiver at any point in any level. <laughs> but um, 
No, I think his, you know, for, for somebody who's playing backup five, he's held his own. He's definitely holding his own right now. And um, now we get to the A's. Let's go A minus. And then we'll go to the A pluses. Got one A plus, and I'm pretty sure you all know who that is. But uh, for A minus, I've got one, two, three, four players right now. We'll start D Rose. Derek Rose, I gave an A minus. Since he's come to the Knicks, he has been nothing but spectacular for them. Um, again, somebody who pushes the pace, right? This is somebody who he's an athletic, quick point guard. He's going to run all over a defense. And since he has been here, Derek Rose has been great. You know, providing those fast break opportunities and pushing the pace for the Knicks. And um, that's the one thing I've noticed. And of course, the Knicks have shot the ball better when he's on the floor. Not necessarily just because he's been shooting from three well, but his ability to drive and kick, right? His ability to slash to the rim and draw defenses in opens up a lot of spacing opportunities for the Knicks perimeter shooters. And his driving kick game has helped the Knicks. Uh, tremendously. He's averaging 13 points, three boards, five assists. Nothing ridiculous, but again, you watch the guy play. He does a lot more than what the numbers say. Um, he's also got a really good mid-range game. He's always been a good mid-range shooter. Um, he's got kind of a beeline shot. It's not the, the prettiest, but it goes in. And so between his transition play, between his driving abilities and his playmaking abilities and his ability to break a defender down off the dribble and shoot the mid-range shot or drive past them, that's been good for the Knicks. And of course, you've got the veteran leadership. The guy who's been around, the guy who knows the game, and he gets along with the Knicks players. Um, You know, Mitchell Robinson, I, I have him on here. Obviously, he's hurt right now, but he was playing fantastic basketball for the Knicks. I gave him an A-. minus. The shot blocking is been down a tick, but that's only because he's being more disciplined and he's not trying to block every single shot. Um, you know, he's staying on his feet more. He's avoiding those ticky-tacky cheap fouls more. Um, he was having a, a great defensive season. You know, the fouls were so much lower than they usually are and the rim protection was just outstanding. His roll gravity offensively opens up a lot of opportunities for the Knicks. I would have liked the Knicks to get him some more touches, but hopefully when he gets back, you know, he can find a, find a way to contribute more offensively because he has some issues there. You know, obviously he still doesn't have a lot of moves. Can't really create for himself. Doesn't have a post game yet. Doesn't really have a hook shot, no jumper. Most of it's just off of, you know, putbacks, you know, on the offensive glass and throwing down lobs in pick and roll scenarios, but the job Mitch has done, I definitely give him an A minus. Emmanuel quickly, I have to give him an A minus. He was scoreless tonight, 0 for 4, but he's having a terrific, terrific season. Again, fucking CBS gave this, gave the Knicks a D plus for drafting quickly, and he's been an A plus or an A minus caliber player for them this year. 12 points a night. 38% on his three-pointers, 94% on the stripe. You know, he's taken 3.2 per game, and he's only averaging, like, what, under 19 minutes? So he's really doing good. He's doing the best he can, and the limited opportunities that he's getting, for some reason, still doesn't get a ton of burn. Um, and that's one thing I'm always going to be frustrated about, why 
one of your better players and one of the best rookies in the game, you know, you can make a case he's the third best rookie in the class. You know, you've got Mello, you've got Halliburton, and maybe IQ. And he's only getting 18, 19, sometimes less minutes a night. Um, But yeah, he's been fantastic for them. Another guy who, he's got the three-point shot. Um, He's aggressive. He's going to shoot before he passes, but he's a great shooter. He's going to shoot it from 30 feet. He's not afraid, and a lot of times he'll hit them. Um, Obviously, he's got that in-between game with the mid-range. I'm sorry, with the, the floater, right? That's kind of not falling lately. It's kind of regressed a bit. So he's going to have to find a way to contribute in the mid-range and find a jump shot to use. Um, which we've seen a bit lately. Um, but overall, his offensive game has been the biggest reason the Knicks are even doing anything offensively. Right? Being able to score 12 points in the amount of minutes he's getting is impressive. He's that microwave scorer that I mentioned earlier. Um, defensively, he's not much. You know, he's not bad though he's gonna hold his own and he'll he'll give you the effort um he's undersized so he's gonna have some issues against those taller larger point guards but you know for a combo guard he's giving you enough production to definitely get consideration for rookie of the year i don't think he'll get it i don't think he should but he should at least be again top three in the uh, race uh and then last but not least our a minus here R.J. Barrett, man, the season R.J. is having is so good. And it, it, again, it, it kind of, I said this a lot, but it's 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 beyond the numbers. You know, he's averaging 17 points, six rebounds, three assists, which if you look at John Morant's numbers, not too far off. Um, and he's shooting 44% from the floor, 35% from three, which I think is huge. And also huge, the 73% free throw shooting percentage. He's been really good, and lately he's been so consistent for this Knicks team. Um, obviously, he's on this stretch right now from three-point land where he's not missing. Knock on wood, but he's, I think, just a tad under 50% over his last 25 games from the arc. Last 25 games. You know, earlier in the year, there was that, what, 0 for 19, 20, 21 stretch that he had. I don't remember the exact number from three-point land. He was down to 18.5%. On the year. Now he's got it all the way up to 35%. He's so comfortable. He It's the same spot too, right? It's in that corner near the wing. Where he's catching and shooting. Almost all of his three balls have been off the catch and shoot. In that corner. He's so comfortable. It's, it's, you're, you're, you almost expect them to fall now. It's good. He's got it up to a respectable 35%. That is league average. That is all I've been asking for. Will it remain there? Maybe, maybe not. But if he can hover between 35 to 33, anywhere in that mark, and he ends the season around that threshold, I'll take it. You know, that's about league average. That threshold is, is, is fine with me. So he's been balling. You know, he has been scoring a lot. When he gets his opportunities, RJ balls out. You know, it's all about getting him more touches, right? Getting him the ball time that he deserves. And I think, again, you play him in these lineups with IQ, with Frank, even with Randall. Their chemistry has been so much better this year than it was last year. And you keep him off the floor whenever Alfred Payton is on the floor. And you have a really good product. Obviously, him and Mitch 
worked really good in pick and roll together. Um, he's just been fantastic. You know, for somebody who's not the greatest jump shooter or the greatest creator, doesn't have those handles, can't really create for himself a ton, he still finds a way to put up 15 to 20-something points a night because he's great with utilizing the screen. He's crafty. He's got the strength to bulldoze and play the post. He can run in transition. He's a decent athlete. He, he's got a variety of ways to put the ball in the net. And R.J. Barrett has showed that this year. He's gotten better. I, I want to see the numbers. I probably should have looked this up before I started recording, but I feel like when he goes right, the efficiency's been pretty solid this year. You know, last year he only had his left hand. But this year, I feel like he's been more equal when he goes to his right. I feel like he's finished better on his right um, than, than when he were than where he was last year. He's still going to finish better left. To, he's still better going left. He, he can go left like crazy. He's really good with that left. But his right hand has been much improved from where it was last year. I want to see the numbers there. I, I should probably look that up. But, yeah, I'm very proud with the way he's been scoring. He's obviously a good rebounder for a wing. He's giving you six, seven a night. Um, and his playmaking has taken a, a bit of a, uh, a drop-off, but... He's still going to give you three assists. He had five tonight. And I think for somebody who, again, the more he gets the ball, I still think he can be a guy who eventually tops out at five assists tonight at one point or another. I think this is a guy, he continues to take the proper steps in the right direction, RJ. 20-point scorer, seven-rebound guy, five-assist guy. I really think that's in his in his future if he continues to improve. You know, So I'm impressed. And, and, and the mid-range has been there. He's 38% this year on the mid, so that's not terrible. It's an improvement. 47% from two. That's been a big improvement. Um, and so, you know, the more he becomes comfortable with that with that jump shot, the mid and the three, the better he's going to be. Because obviously we've seen with the free throws, right? Um, he's starting to hit the free throws. That's added to his points per game total. But he continues to hit that mid. He continues to hit that three. That's only going to open up more opportunities, right? Because the drive is not always going to be there. The drive is not always going to be there. So... When defenses kind of know their personnel a bit and they start tightening up on him and they pack the paint like they did a lot in San Antonio, it's going to be more difficult without the jumper. But since he's found that jumper, you know, he's got the bread and butter in the mid-range game and he's got the three-point shot that's become another comfortable part of his game, he's going to find some more opportunities for himself to score. It's going to expand his offensive arsenal. So I think that's been tremendous. So R.J. Barrett, along with Quickly, Robinson, and Rose, A-. And now we go to the A+. And obviously, I don't I don't know how there's anybody on this planet who could give him less than an A+. Um, but yeah, Julius Randle. You know, just fucking tremendous. Um, I feel like we say this stat every time I come on the show and talk about Julius. But he's averaging Larry, Larry Bird shit. The... the First guy since Bird to go 20-10-5 on 40%. I mean, it's crazy. You know, and people say that's not sustainable. Well, he was 60% to start the year from like the floor, right? So maybe he's not going to shoot 40% from distance from here to the rest of the year. But I still think he'll finish somewhere between 35 to 40 by the time the year's on, uh, over. I still think he'll be a double-double 2010 guy. I still think he'll end up around five assists. I really do. 
So I'm buying into him, you know, just because he's been just a monster on all three levels. You know, he's hitting the shots on the interior. He's automatic from the fucking baseline, from the top of the key, from the elbow. He's got the turnaround, the fade up, uh, the fade away, the pull up. He's fucking Carmelo Anthony in the mid range area. He really is. He's probably the best mid range shooter in the league this year. I mean, I, I have to think he's fucking up there. <laughs> and again, he's got the three point shot, which has went from twenty eight percent to forty one. <laughs> so, the three level scoring from him, just a bully on the inside, bully in the posts and the mid. On the three, he's just been fantastic. 23 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 48% from the floor, 41 from the line, of the, the three, and 81 from the line. A monster. A fucking monster. A leader. Again, on both fucking ends. This guy's done it on both ends. Scoring in all ways. DHOs pick and rolls. His pick and pop chemistry with Derrick Rose is fantastic. Him and RJ Barrett have hit each other up a ton this year. I'm really impressed, man. I, there's you know, there, there's so much. We can always talk about this whole thing. Do the Knicks extend him? I think you have to at some point, man. Right? There was something that uh, I think Berman put out earlier on Twitter that the Knicks can offer him 25 a year for the next four under the new CBA rules. Um, you know, if he's, he says he loves being a Knicks, so that's going to be the real test there, right? Because I don't think, I just don't see him accepting that. That's a fucking, 25 is nothing for what he's putting up. That would be nothing. That would be the absolute steal. So I think he's going to command somewhere between thirty to thirty-five. To be honest with you, you know, if he, uh, I think if he makes one of the three uh, All NBA teams, he's eligible for the Supermax, and he's most likely, knock on wood, going to make one of those three All NBA teams. So you're thinking thirty to thirty-five over that three, four-year stretch in the future. It's gonna, it's gonna sting. It's gonna sting. But I think the Knicks are really in a position to where they shouldn't think twice. I think they have to do it. You know, um, I, I wouldn't rush. I wouldn't do it this summer. I would wait a bit. I would see how he does uh, next year. If he finishes out this season, we say this all the time, but fuck it. If he finishes out this season doing what he's doing right now, and if he continues doing what he's doing right now into next season, you extend him some point in the year. I think you have to. So I would wait. I would wait a little bit. I wouldn't do it this summer. I would still wait. Uh, we've got a lot a lot of ball to play. You know, we, we've got an entire second half of the season. I'm not saying he's going to collapse, but we have a tough schedule. So let's see what happens. Um, but A+. Plus, a+. Plus. And the Knicks as a unit. Um, I have an... I wrote down A-. minus. A fantastic job. Just because, you know, we are 19 and 18. All right, let's, let's, I don't want to go too crazy. But again, for their expectation, you can make a case it should be A, A plus two. Whatever. They've been fucking fantastic. So I, I want A minus just because I'm a dick and I like being a, a tough grader. But that they've had a terrific year. And Tom Thibodeau, again, has been the number one reason for the Knicks being so successful this fucking season. Um, 
it's it's just been fun, you know. And I think the biggest questions heading into the second half, well, we've got a lot of questions, right? Can they keep it up defensively? I think is is probably the number one. Um, you know, what's what's their D going to look like against these elite teams? Because it's going to be tough. This second, this schedule, we talked about it a couple shows back, but it's fucking rough looking. It is rough looking. Um, but I think that's my biggest question here is can the Knicks, is this defense that they're playing right now sustainable? And that's going to be the, by far the biggest key for them because that offense is not great. And I don't expect them to make any big offensive additions at the deadline in a month, a bit less than a month. So I think it's going to, a lot's going to be dependent on if the Knicks can continue playing this elite defense against elite competition. Right now, their strategy is to pack the paint and, you know, surrender three-point looks. Right? Is it luck? Is it luck? Maybe some of it's luck, um, but some of it could be them scouting their personnel, right? We know we've seen them do this to a lot of bad three-point shooting teams, but then we've seen teams who can shoot the three kind of expose them a bit with this scheme where they pack the paint. So does that kind of regress a bit down the stretch? Maybe, you know. Um, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see. A lot's going to be dependent on these perimeter defenders on the Knicks, right? Bullock, Frank, you know, those guys are going to have to carry, carry a heavy workload here defensively for the Knicks. Peyton, uh, Barrett is going to be tested. I'm not really impressed with his defense, which I didn't talk about when we graded him. But, you know, he's always, his on-ball D is, is up and down. But it's kind of the off-the-ball defense when he's when he's leaving his man wide often. You know, kind of ball-watching and, and kind of just um, playing a little too far off his man and slowly leaks into the paint when he's watching the ball. And then you have him late on the closeout, you know, off a three-point shot or getting beat off penetration. He's gonna have to step up his defense. It's it's it's. I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting to see how good the Knicks can sustain this defense. You know, with this strategy they have, with their with their allow a lot of threes scheme, and their interior defense has been good too, right? Um, but can they sustain that without Mitchell Robinson? You know, he's not expected back for another three four weeks, and that's just to be reevaluated. And then they gotta work him back slowly. So I don't think he's gonna be back soon, anytime soon. Um, you know, they've got the tough interior defense, though. Noel has been great, but will he regress to the mean, right? Right now, he's, again, amongst the leaders in blocks, and he's getting a lot of double-doubles lately, so I don't expect that to sustain. You know, it's... They've got the mental toughness, that's for sure. I don't think that's... what I think that's one thing the Knicks will keep. They are mentally tough. They are going to grind you out. But will it catch up to them just because they're playing bigger competition. We'll have to wait and see. That, to me, is the biggest question in terms of their performance. For an office-wise, you know, obviously we have a question from now until the deadline in a few weeks. Um, you know, you hope that they don't deal the farm and just mortgage their entire future for a fucking Bradley Beal. And you fucking casuals who want that, 
don't even I don't even want to have a conversation with you. That just bothers me. Don't fuck with what's not broke. It's really it's just just ride with what's working. You know, save those bigger type of deals for the summer. Okay, leave that for another day. I'm not saying no completely, but I'm saying no for the moment. Why can't we just have what's working for us right now? We're in a good spot. We're in a really good spot. The Knicks are playing good basketball with what they have. Randall at the head of things, balling out. RJ as the number two option, balling out. Derrick Rose, this new addition, he comes here, he's balling out. We've got a perfect blend of, of youth and veteran leadership to bring this Knicks team where they are. I don't want to just throw that all away just to take a high-risk, high-reward chance on bringing in a, a superstar player who may or may not work out here and fit with everybody else and might be disgruntled and force his way out. And if we lose in the second round this year, now we're back to square one with no court to build around, no draft picks to use for the future. It's... No. Don't do... Just, just stay patient. And I think Leon Rose will. I don't think he'll do anything stupid. I think, if anything, we make a couple of small moves. You know, if the price is right, you know, to get some perimeter shooting. I think that's the number one the thing. You know, that's the thing the Knicks need most is more perimeter shooting. You know, again, because when your starting point guard is, is somebody who shoots 25%, that's not fucking good. <laughs> okay. So you need perimeter shooting. You know, when Derrick Rose is seen as a sharpshooter, that goes to show you need perimeter shooting. Um, so I think if the Knicks are to make some moves, you know, get someone who could spot up. Somebody who doesn't need to create. You know, they need more spot up wings um, who can drill from the outside. Does JJ, JJ Redick cost a ton? He might. You know, he's found a shot lately. Um, if he costs too much, I say no. There are the Oladipo rumors. I'm not a fan of bringing him here. Um, I'm not a fan of it. Just, just I, again, nothing big yet. Just stay where we are. Keep doing what we're doing. It is working. And I have no complaints. I have no complaints. So the first half is over. The Knicks, again, the number fifth seed. They are 19 and 18, one game above 500. New York is so happy. <laughs> this is the only team I know in New York. So, you know, it's the Knicks and the Knicks. So, um, yeah, man, it, it was a good way to end the half. It was a really, really, really strong way to end the half here against the Pistons with the win. Um, I think we have the Bucks right out of the gate. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks who've been, I think they've picked it up since. They're going to be looking for revenge. You know Giannis is going to be looking for fucking revenge. We've got the Philly Sixers twice in the second half. We've got all the tough competition you could you can imagine. We really do. We've got the Lakers, the Clippers at some point. I think on a back-to-back -back at Staples. <laughs> so it might not be the, you know, 19 and 18 second. It might not be the same second half. Um, I don't want to predict. I don't like to predict, but I do think it will be under 500 by a lot. No, might not be, but I, I don't think the Knicks, you know, the ideal scenario here for the Knicks, right? Your, your perfect world scenario for the Knicks in the second half is to continue hovering around the four, five seed, right? 
So you don't have to worry about losing a couple games and being in jeopardy of not making the playoffs. And more importantly, you don't have to worry about playing top tier teams if you make it at four or five, right? You play other middling teams. Um, but considering that schedule they have, I'm going to say at best the Knicks are 9-10 and they find a way to make it, um, you know, they sneak in by being one of the play-in teams. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I underestimated them before the season and so did everybody else. So maybe they end up fucking shocking the world and pulling something out of their ass and, and being a four or five seed. Um, but if they can find a way to make the playoffs at any you know, whatever seed, if they just make the playoffs, that is automatically um, a successful season. And you don't find me saying that often. I'm a hard ass, but, you know, this isn't the Yankees. Again, it's all about expectation, baby. So if the Knicks can make the playoffs any way, any shape or form this year, they sneak in at the 10 or they fucking make it by getting the four. You have to be proud of this team. <laughs> they would have definitely or definitely earned it if they can fucking make it with that schedule in the second half. So, I am proud. I am very, very proud of them. Alright? Let's get to the question of the day. Alright, so who was the last Nick to make the all-rookie first team and when? That was our question for episode 217. And the answer to that, Willie, or is it Billy? Hernan Gomez back in 2017. That was the last Nick to make an all-rookie first team. Our NYY, NYK question of the day for episode 218. This episode's NYY NYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor, best way to make a podcast, is simple. Who was the last Nick to average a double-double? Julius Randle is going 20 and 10 right now. But who was the last Nick to average a double-double across a full season? Message me the answer either on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or just comment the answer once I publish one of the promos to this podcast on social media. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you for doing so. One last time, I am your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 218 of the podcast, BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees or Knicks analysis. And that's it for me. Um, I think this is our, you know, first half conclusion report. You know, unless I, you know, feel like putting one out sometime during break, um, this might just be it. You know, so not really the greatest well thought out, most well thought out episode tonight. Kind of just jumbled a bunch of my thoughts together. I'm still kind of high on this win and, the whole 19 and 18 is just getting to me and I don't have everything. I didn't really take much notes other than a few stats and shit. But, um, you know, I think this is just going to be our, our, our last episode on the next until the second half of the season, which begins on Thursday, next Thursday. So a week from now or six days from now, as you are listening to this, um, as you are listening, it is Friday, March 5th. 
So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. Wonderful, spectacular first half for the New York Knicks. Things are looking really bright. And let's just hope this continues, right? That's that's all we can ask for. Let's hope it keeps... Let's hope we, we can finally start building a positive culture here. You know, and eliminate this LOL Knicks narrative that's been out there for way too fucking long. Excuse me. So, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. One last time. One very last time. I... I'm your host, R.J. Carbone, and this is episode 218 of the podcast. I'll see you in the next one, folks. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor. 